Well, good morning, Calvary Church. It is great to be here with you. And so I want to just um, say thank you for this opportunity. If I don't know you yet, I'd love to meet you. My name is Brian. I'd love to meet you out uh, with donuts with our missionaries afterwards. And if you don't know me yet, it's because I'm one of the newest pastors here on staff. I've only here, been here about three months. And yet we do have a rich history here at Calvary. It starts with these guys. These are my in-laws, Steve and Tracy Guys. Some of you may know them. They've been here at Calvary uh, for a long time, but serving uh, Bible translation work in the Philippines in Papua New Guinea for 31 years. And that's where they're at right now, Papua New Guinea. And so I'm, I'm thankful for them, their heritage. This is my family, by way of introduction. They're not here today. My, my son has had a fever for a few days, so you guys can be praying for him. Uh, but this is my family, my wife Amy, and our two kids, Cambria, who's eight, my daughter, and our son, Gabriel, who's five. And we also have a history here at Calvary. We have, for the last five years, have been Calvary missionaries. Uh, we were sent out from Calvary to a region uh, of Central Asia. It kind of actually borders Europe and Central Asia. I can't say the exact region or the, the country that we're in for security purposes, but I'll give you a little hint. It's a very large country, and it's been in the news a lot these days. So if that gives you a hint. But um, our region that we were sent out for on a reach week just like this, our region is virtually 100% Muslim. The, we'll call it today the land of mountains. And our focus, our laser focus, was making disciples of Jesus among Muslims who have never heard the name of Jesus. And so that was our focus. We were missionaries there for five, or about three and a half years, and then after that, we were deported about 18 months ago. And that was never the plan. We thought we were going to be continuing on, but that was not what God had. And uh, we'll share more about that story in just a little bit. But uh, in that process, you guys have been so encouraging to us and uplifting us and, and praying for us and, and standing with us in that process. And now that we're back here serving in this role, um, I've heard many from many of you just the encouragement lifting us up almost even like heroes. And I just want to say first to start out that we, our missionaries here, me, we're first to tell you we are not heroes. We look to Jesus in that we are dependent solely on him for his work in our lives and for strengthening and encouragement. One of the things I'd love to share with you is just a quick story to paint that picture, just so that you know that we as missionaries and me as a pastor, I'm not first-class citizen, you're a second-class citizen here in the kingdom of God sitting here. When we first moved to the land of mountains, we were doing language learning, and it's a very difficult language for English speakers to learn. In this process, I was beginning to learn some of the verbs, and I got a few verbs confused. So I got the verb to buy and the verb to kill mixed up. Well, let's just say that I'm like, all right, God, I'm praying. We're going to go into a store, and I'm going to start building a relationship with this Muslim. And, and maybe along the lines, as I get to learn more, I'll be able to share Christ with him. So I go in, and I'm smiling, all prayed up. Hi, my name is Brian. Nice to meet you. And I thought I said, I would like to buy this. No, I actually said, hi, I would like to kill you. So <laughs> that did not go so well. So... To illustrate the point crystal clear, we are people all in need of God's grace and his work in our lives, that we are not first-class citizens and we have it all together, but rather it's the power of the Holy Spirit moving through us, and that's what I'm believing for you today, Calvary Church, as well, that as you step into your role in the Great Commission in, a, in greater alignment of your lives to the completion of the Great Commission, that you will find that it is God's power working in you. It's not 
Your own strength is God. First of all, I want to start off in Scripture. I think that's the baseline of everything we do. Let's look at this again. This is from ESV. I like the way that's written here. And you've heard this, Calvary Church. You hear this every week. Eric tells you every week. The elders pray this over you every week. You hear this. But there's a connection point you're going to see. So let's read this again. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us. Get this. So that, so that your ways may be known on the earth, your saving power among all nations. Calvary Church, I want to tell you this morning that there is a connection, an intrinsic connection that is inseparable between the blessing of God and world missions, that it cannot be broken because it's baked right into the center of the gospel. And what Eric has been praying for you every week, may God bless you and keep you, that connection point is directly tied into world missions. It is inseparable. You cannot separate it. There is a so that to the blessing that we have received. There are three things that I see here in Scripture. First, that missions in this context, it's always about God's glory. It's always about God's glory. It's about his eternal worship. And that's what we're after. That's what each one of our missionaries is after. We want the white, hot worship of Jesus for all nations, for all eternity. That is what he is due. That is what he is due. We want that. And it goes on to say in verses 3 and 4, may the peoples praise you. May the, all the peoples praise you. So we're not just here saying, hey, we want a good food program. We want to help the poor. We want to do, those are all good things. But we want Jesus to be worshipped. We want him to be praised. So it's always about God. It's always about his glory. It's always about his worship eternally. Second, it's always about nations or peoples. It's not just primarily number of people, though God cares about that. The word says that he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so God, yes, he cares about people. But there's this other word that you'll see, peoples. May the peoples praise you, or in the nations. What does that mean? It means ethno-linguistic groups. You see this in Revelation 5, 9, and 7, 9, and it draws it out in Scripture where you see that it says that there's going to be this ultimate day of worship in heaven, and it says that you're going to see people from every tribe, language, people, and nation. And so the measuring stick that God uses for our success in missions, our success of our witness as a church globally, is not just primarily the number of people, but cultures. Are we transforming cultures? Are we transforming whole ethnic groups to the glory of God to see them transformed, change more into his likeness? So it's about peoples. And we're going to dig into that a little bit more. And third, it's about the heart cry of the people. Just to go back here, look at this. It's so interesting. May God be gracious to us and bless us. This is a little bit different than what Eric prays for you or the elders pray for you. The, the original ironic blessing says, may God bless you and keep you, shine his face upon you. This is from the perspective of a priest or a perspective of a pastor blessing the people. This flips it on its head. It's the people of God calling out and saying, God bless us. Be gracious to us. Make your face shine upon us. They're calling out and saying, God, do it for us. It's a direct connection to God. Why? So that you would be honored, you would be worshipped. 
And so when we gather together and we're praying this, the intrinsic connection is that this is about God's glory, that we want this. And what is the nature of this blessing? It's right here in Ephesians 1, 3 through 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in the uh, but in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. The foundation of this blessing is not health, it's not wealth, it's not prosperity, it's nothing but the blood of Jesus and that we have been redeemed. Calvary Church, do you see the value of this this morning? Do you see the value of this? And so I want to ask you this morning, as we look at this more deeply in terms of our story and my process coming to understand this, I want to ask you, is this your heart cry? Is this your heart cry this morning that Jesus would be worshipped among every tribe, language, people, and nation? Does it move you? Does it change you? Do you see the reality of this gospel blessing in your life? that you have been redeemed, you've been pulled from the pit, and your life is now bought at a price that's not our own. Do you see this? And from this place of understanding and seeing and experiencing, do you then begin to move forward and take a step and say, God, align my life to the Great Commission. God, I'm going to live my life to the completion of the Great Commission, whatever your role is. So I'm not, just to be clear, I'm not saying everyone needs to go. There'd be no one left in this room to continue working here in Orange County. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is, have you found your role in the Great Commission? Have you been moved? Have you been changed by the gospel? This is what happened in my life. I was moved. I was changed by the gospel. My parents went to, we attended a different church. I grew up here in Orange County. uh, But we attended a different church growing up. And they went to a week just like this, a missions week. And they were beginning to learn about missions as well. They're first-generation believers. And so they uh, came home with a map, just like this one, a map of the 1040 window. And I had no clue what that meant, and I'll explain that in just a minute. But I, they, we put this up in our hallway growing up in Orange, and I began to look at that. And it was so interesting to me. I began to look at it. The 1040 window is what's described as the bulk heartlands of unreached people groups. Let me explain that. Unreached is not lost. Lost is, yes, you don't have the gospel, you're separated from Christ, and that you will live, breathe, and die, and when you die, you will be separated eternally from Christ. Absolutely, that is lost. But there's a difference with unreached. Not only are they lost, but they don't have access to the gospel. They will live, breathe, and die, never hear about Jesus. So let me give you an example. You you might have my uncle, he lives in Long Beach. He's heard the gospel many times. He drives past dozens and dozens of churches on his way to work every day. He has friends, our own family, who has told him about Jesus. He's still resistant. He's not in the kingdom. That's lost, yes. Unreached is like this. When we're in the land of mountains, we go, and every single person said, I have never met a Christian. Our city of one million people. There's a difference. There's access. They don't have the Bible in their languages. There's not enough believers around to tell them about Jesus. They're they're cut off from gospel access. And when I learned about this, I said, huh, there's something about that that is working in me. And you have to understand, during this time, I was attending Villa Park High School. I was doing very well in school. I was looking at schools like MIT, Caltech. I wanted to be the next Elon Musk. 
That's what I wanted to be. That's where my value was in. You know, and, and this is, if you guys remember a little bit, I'm not super old, but this was a little bit pre-internet days, and so the newspaper would come on Sundays, and you guys remember how they would give you that, like, uh, magazine of, like, the high-end uh, real estate on, like, the Newport Coast? Remember those? And you'd flip through it, and you're like, wow, this place is really nice. And that's what I would do. I'd flip through that paper, and I'd look at that and say, yeah, that's what I want. I want that. I want the nice car. I want the nice house. I want to be successful. And that's what I was basing my life off of. And actually, I was going in that trajectory totally on my own, apart from the Lord. And God began to intersect me here and say, there's something I'm calling you towards that's different. This isn't it. This isn't it, Brian. And I was resistant, resistant for years. Until God grabbed hold of my heart and I began praying through this map. I actually went to the high desert one time and it began to snow like crazy while I was up there. Just like in the past couple of weeks. And I hadn't seen snow in a while. And I saw a log out um, in this field. And I said, oh, I want to stand on this log and just bask in this snow. It's going to be so cool. So I start walking out there. And this is right at the height when I'm resisting God, what he's doing. I start walking out there. Boom, lightning hits that log. I freak out. I run back inside the cabin where we're staying. And I didn't go out for like 20, 30 minutes. I look. That thing is roasted, absolutely roasted. And God spoke to me so clearly. And he said, when will you give in and follow me? Is this what I have to do? Come, follow me. You hear me speaking. Stop resisting. Stop being so fearful. And it took me another six months for that point to begin to peel back the onion layers, to begin saying, Jesus, you have, you have my life. I recognize that without you, I have nothing. And in that time, that's when I began to pray through this map and recognize there are whole cultures cut off from the gospel. In fact, there are 3.2 billion people who live in this category. 40% of the world is cut off from gospel access. They are unreached. There's not enough believers in their ethnic group to tell them about Jesus. Many of them don't have Bibles in their languages. No churches. 3.2 billion. And 7,000 ethnic groups are in this category. 7,000. It's unbelievable. As I began to learn this, I said... Something's going to have to change. And so I shifted my life. God began working, and I shifted. I was taking all these honors and AP classes. I had no time for myself or no time for the Lord, actually. And he began to shift me. I said, like, why am I doing this? I'm going to cut out some of that and begin spending time with the Lord. I set myself on a trajectory. I went to Biola, studied church planting and Islamics. I said, God, you're setting me apart for your work and your purposes. It took another seven years to get there, and I worked in business in San Diego for seven years before we were sent out. This is us. We sold everything. I was working in a very successful business, and God said, it's time. It's time to go. I had a six-month-old at this point, three-year-old, and we went to the land of mountains. This is us at LAX heading out. This is the city in the land of mountain that we worked. I'll call it M-Town. M-Town has one million people and about 100 believers. There's one church there, and we were told that if we were to go to this church, that we would be probably arrested or that the local believers would be arrested. There's great need in the land of mountains. What does it take? It takes language learning. 
As you heard, it's, it's a hard process. <laughs> language learning is not easy. So we began learning the local language. This is a picture of us uh, learning our first about 300 words. And we're using this process that we did with the staff, kind of a fun walkthrough with them, where you begin learning how to learn a language like kids learn a language. And we begin picking it up in the hopes that after a year or two that we can begin to communicate the gospel to these people. And it's hard work. It's not easy. We went to university five hours a day. Our kids were with uh, a local nanny, and then they, they struggled in this process. Let me tell you, missions and being a missionary, it, it's so valuable. We need goers, but it's not easy. It's very hard. And yet God was doing something in that. He was calling us to lay down our lives for the sake of these people, that Jesus would be worshipped. Here's my wife, Amy. Another place of being laid down is in the way that we dress. Here she is covering her hair. She has clothes down to, uh, or arms, uh, clothing that covers her arms mostly, or uh, most days was actually down farther. She covered herself completely, always wearing things that went really low to be an honor to the local community. This is, and we get out of the country, and, and she'd say, oh, I can wear like a tank top again, or I can, I can relax, and then we go back in. It's so, so vitally important to build trust among our Muslim friends. These are our Muslim friends here who are still cut off from the gospel. Amy met these friends when she, on the, the first week we went to the land of mountains, this is SNR, their family. They had never met a believer. And Amy struggled trying to figure out how do I share Jesus with these people with limited language and be just trying. And so uh, we figured out this term that we coined, kind of conspicuous spirituality. Whenever we're talking about something that we value, we're just going to talk about it. If you love the chiefs, you're going to talk about the chiefs all the time. If you love your car, you're going to talk about your car. If you love your family, you're going to talk about that. If you love Jesus, you're going to talk about it. And so we said, we're just going to talk about Jesus because he's the love of our life. He's changed us. He's redeemed us. And so she would begin to speak. And so her friend introduced her to her other friend, um, S. And this other friend that's in this picture, she introduced and said, hey, this is Amy, my friend. She's from America. She's one who loves Jesus. That's how she was known. We go around town talking to different families, building relationships. People say, well, what does it look like? Well, you stop into the stores on my way to work. I'd stop in every store and I'd say hi to everyone. Hey, how are you doing? How's your family doing? Hey, you said your mom was sick. How can I continue praying for you in the name of Jesus? Also, this is our friends. It's our friend Eleanor. They still have not followed Jesus. And when we were deported, our hearts really broke. That They're really cut off, and our, we know our communications are being monitored by the police. And here are our friends. They still don't know Jesus. And yet we're on the process of studying the Bible with them, and it seems like everything just broke apart right in our hands as we were deported. And that was a really scary process for me today. I want to tell you guys that, that process. We were out of the country for a while, and because of COVID, they didn't allow us back in. So we're staying here with the Griffiths. 
In that time, we're getting rusty with our local language. I can't say what the language is, but our local language. And we said, okay, we need to get back into a country where they speak this language, and we, but that we can get into right now. So we moved to the country of Georgia, just south of the region where we were working. And we're there, and, and the country opens up and, uh, that we need to go into. And, but in this process, we hear of all the missionaries in the country that had been able to stay, obtain the paperwork necessary. We weren't able to. They restricted that for us. We begin to hear story after story of missionaries being taken in and questioned, arrested, being brought with terrorism charges for sharing their faith. And we're going, what's going to happen with us? And you have to understand, my business background was with the Navy. And if you know anything about the news recently, does the name Brittany Griner remind you of anything? Yeah. And so here I am with my Navy background going, oh my goodness, am I going to be put on a pedestal to be this guy in these geopolitical games and just like thrown under in the key locked, locked away? I'm, I'm thrown in a gulag somewhere. That's it. And so we take two weeks to fast and pray and say, God, what are you speaking? Is it time to go back in? And as we began praying, the Lord began to speak to me. And he said, Brian, you can trust me. And so I responded. I said, Lord, I, I can trust you. I won't be thrown in prison. My family will be okay. I'll be reunited with them. That's okay. And he said, I didn't say that. I said that you can trust me. And when we got on that plane, that was the most terrifying plane ride of my life. I just opened up the word. I began reading the word and digging into it, saying, God, I need you. I went into the restroom at the airport. It wasn't pretty. I came out knowing that this might be it, and there it was. They looked, they were expecting us, detained at the airport, questioned all night, and they gave us a choice to either be thrown in jail or to be deported for 10 years. So we got on a plane and were deported. In this process, it was very painful because I said, God, my role is a goer. I want to go. I want to share. What about R and, and S? They don't know you yet. They need to hear. And if, you, if everyone's kicked out, how will they hear? There's not enough believers to, to really share the gospel. Three and a half million people, 150 believers. How is this going to happen, God? Well, we began to use social media before this time during COVID to start to reach out. I shared this story with the Griffiths the other day. Right here in, in Tustin, formed this social media. I can't tell you what platform it's on or what it's called, but I formed this social media channel, and we began in local language reaching out to these people with things talking about the prophet Isa al-Masih, Jesus the Messiah, and how he came to be our sacrificial substitute. We started getting some traction. By the time our site was shut down by the government, we had half of the entire population of the land of mountains had seen our posts. God was moving. And there are six ladies who rose to the surface as having a hunger for God, but not knowing the way yet. And so we said, we're not getting traction. God, you have to move. And so we said, we're going to stop. We're going to fast and pray. Are you seeing a sign here? <laughs> Fasting and praying? So we fast and pray. Say, God, you have to move. You know what happens as our team's doing that? The next day, not weeks, the next day, she messages us and she said, hey, I had this dream. I had this dream that my daughter and I were in this raging river and we were drowning. We couldn't get out and we we're saying, God, save us, save us. We, they're going to drown. There was this, this stone wall in front of them. 
they're going to get pinned under the rapids and die. And suddenly, as they get to this wall, they're calling out. The wall opens up with this hole, and they get brought through. They aren't pinned under the rocks. And then they turn, and they're looking for help still. They see Jesus there on the shore. He pulls them out, rescues them, and, she, and he says to them, I've saved you. Now come, follow me. Wow. Isn't that amazing? So then, she says, what does this mean? <laughs> Talk about t-ball set up, right? Friends, we don't have to have it all together. I was lamenting, I was saying, God, my role in the Great Commission has changed. I don't want this. I don't want to be in America right now. And yet, God, you're working. You're doing something even despite ourselves. This lady and six others like her have come into the kingdom of God now. God is working, and he wants to use you as you pray, as the Griffiths open up their home, as others have find their role in the Great Commission. God wants to use you. He wants to use you despite your fear. He wants to break through your fear. If any of you are struggling with fear this morning, and God's been working on your heart, saying, I want to move in you, there's no greater place to be. Let me tell you, after this process being deported and being just strung out so we were, we were paraded through the airport and ridiculed. We had guards with automatic rifles walking with us all the way, and they ridiculed us the whole way through. And we get on that plane and thinking, oh my goodness, this just happened, and we're free. We should have been arrested, and I should have been thrown away with the key locked up, and yet I'm free. You know what that's done for me now? Now in this process, I've learned to trust him more that there's not a sacrifice that I can make that he won't meet me in. Friends, there is a world that is dying to see you live out the blessing that you've received of Jesus. You need to live out this blessing. And God wants to encourage you. He wants to walk with you. He's not there beating you over the head saying, serve, go as a missionary, go as a missionary, go as a missionary. He's getting behind you, and he's lifting you up, and he's saying, I am with you. This is the Great Commission. He says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go, and I am with you always. He's with you. So what are the areas that God's calling you to step out into? How is he moving in your life? How do we respond to this message? Not that I have anything to give. Oh gosh, if there's anything that I've said this morning that is not of Jesus, may it fall away. But what's God speaking to your heart? What's he doing in you? What is your role in the Great Commission? You see, each one of us has role, a role to play. Not everyone's going to be a missionary. And though at the same time, Luke 10:2, the harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few. So I'm unashamedly going to call for workers because Jesus is worthy of worship. Is he not, church? Is he not worthy of worship this morning? And so I'm going to call unashamedly, unashamedly. I'm going to say, give your life for the cause of Christ. He's worth it. He's worthy of all of our praise and the admiration, our finances, our lives. It doesn't matter. Your Tesla will, will burn. Your house will burn. 
My 401k is already burning. It doesn't matter, <laughs> right? What will last is what is not built of straw and hay and stubble, but what is built on gospel-centered, Jesus-focused worship for the nations, that he is worth it. So are we going to hold that back from him? Are we going to step into it saying, God, I'm so afraid. I don't know what to do. But God, would you do this? Would you meet us in this process? Because I'm weak, but you can meet me. And so this morning, I want to have us, to kind of wrap up here, I want to pray for us in a few ways. What are some roadblocks and what are some rules? Let me tell you, God's always weeding out roadblocks in my life. When coming back here to the States, it was clear God was calling us back here. I didn't want to come back. I said, nope, 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 nope. I'm a, I'm a goer. That's who I am. But God said, no, you're going to be back. And I said, fine, then I'm going to do it my way, and I want to, um, I want to have my nice job back then. <laughs> right? Let's be honest. Let's be real. So I said, okay, I'm going to pray and fast. And, you know, Calvary had said, maybe you can come on staff here. And, and so they're kind of offering that. And I said, give me time to fast and pray. Day two, I went out to the suit store to buy a suit because I wanted to interview for the nice job. I was jumping the gun. I didn't hear anything during the fast. I said, okay, I'm going to keep going, walking in, you know, going towards business, this business world. Then I'll just send people. I'll have a nice life. I'll send people. There's nothing wrong with that, by the way. If God called you to send, send graciously, send generously, absolutely. There's nothing wrong with that. But my role, God was saying, no, 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 that's not your role. And so in this process, God spoke to me. He said, don't strike the rock when I've told you to speak to it. I'm like, what, what's that about? So I go back to the Torah, I see Moses, and he struck the rock when God told him to speak to it, and God said, specifically, he didn't say you didn't have faith at all, and that's why you're being kept out of the promised land. He said, you didn't have enough faith. And he spoke to me, he said, don't take this job, come work at Calvary. I said, okay. But you know why I could trust him in that? I said, God, I'm not in a gulag right now. You've proven yourself faithful. I've, I've tested you, and not in, a, in that negative way, but I've seen that you have completed your word. And so this morning, I want to pray for you. We're going to take some time this morning. I'm going to jump off stage and join you in this because constantly God's working on my heart. Are there roadblocks in your life where God's saying, I want you to do this. I want you to give X amount to the Great Commission, to reach, what, what, whatever he's calling you to. And you're saying, no, I want to hold on to this. Let me tell you, there's times where I've held on to stuff and God's pulled out of my hands. Maybe it's as a, as a goer or as some other way that God's calling you and you're holding on. Maybe even your kids. You're saying, I want my kids to be safe and secure. And let me tell you, I have this, like, I've had people say, I could never be a missionary because I, I'm like, it's like, I love my kids. And I'm like, as if I don't love my kids, right? No, but because we can trust Jesus, that we can say, God, I'm not holding anything from you. I'm not putting my family on a pedestal. I'm not putting my church. I'm not putting anything. We sacrifice it all for the cause of Christ because you are worthy. And so what is that roadblock in your life? We want to pray for you this morning. I want to pray with you that God would unroot some of that stuff. 
that God would root that out, any fear in your life that God, that's holding you back, saying God's been poking at me and poking at me and poking at me, say, and this is your role, and you're saying, no, 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 I can't do it. Let me tell you, God has grace for you today. This isn't a condemnation. This is an uplifting of God has grace for you to step into it if you're willing to say, God, I have need. God, I have belief. Help my unbelief, right? And then second, what are, what's my role in the Great Commission? All of you have this bulletin here. There are some ideas. We, all, uh, we often talk about pray, give, go. But I think sometimes that can be overly simplistic. Let me tell you, we needed creative access to get into our country. A man who was a businessman showed me how to set up an S-Corp corporation. I had no clue what that was. But you know what? I, we set it up, and we were able to be there because we had this business. Do you have, what, what is this? Can you do an LAX run? There's so many different ways to serve in missions and finding your role. So I'd encourage you under this notes section, find this. Find this and, and get creative and say, God, dream with God. What could my role be like? What could you use me for? And second, this is in your seat back. You'll see right in front of you. What's your role in the Great Commission? Next steps. I want to walk with you guys in this. We want to, as Reach, Matt, me, pastoral staff, we want to walk with you in this. Not to twist your arm. God doesn't need that. I don't believe in that. Guilt is a poor motivator. But walking with you, say, we want to walk with you into what God has. And so come now. I'm going to step off here, and I'm going to be here and call up some of my leaders to come and pray and as the music starts going, if you feel that God is leading you and you're saying, I'm held back, I'm held back by fear, but I don't want to be held back by fear anymore, come, receive prayer. If you're like, I need wisdom for my role in the Great Commission, come, receive prayer. And if you are like, God's spoken at me to be a goer, whether you're young, whether you're old, that God wants to send you and work with you and work through you. So let's come, let's receive prayer and respond this morning.